Psalm 106. Would you give ear to the reading of God's Word? Praise the Lord. O give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His mercy endures forever. Who can utter the mighty acts of the Lord? Who can declare all His praise? Blessed are those who keep justice and he who does righteousness at all times. Remember me, O Lord, with the favor you have toward your people. O visit me with your salvation, that I may see the benefit of your chosen ones, that I may rejoice in the gladness of your nation, that I may glory with your inheritance. We have sinned with our fathers. We have committed iniquity. We have done wickedly. Our fathers in Egypt did not understand your wonders. They did not remember the multitudes of your mercies, but rebelled by the sea, the Red Sea. Nevertheless, he saved them from his namesake, that he might make his mighty power known. He rebuked the Red Sea also, and it dried up. So he led them through the depths as through the wilderness. He saved them from the hand of him who hated them and redeemed them from the hand of the enemy. The waters covered their enemies. There was not one of them left. Then they believed his word, they sang his praise. They soon forgot his works. They did not wait for his counsel, but lusted exceedingly in the wilderness and tested God in the desert. And he gave them their request, but sent lameness into their soul. When they envied Moses in the camp and Aaron, the saint of the Lord, the earth opened up and swallowed Dathan and covered the faction of Abiram. A fire was kindled in their company. The flame burned up the wicked. They, must, they made a calf in Horeb and worshipped the molten image. Thus they changed their glory into the image of an ox that eats grass. They forgot God, their Savior, who had done great things in Egypt, wondrous works in the land of Ham, awesome things by the Red Sea. Therefore he said that he would destroy them had not Moses, his chosen one, stood before him in the breach to turn away his wrath, lest he destroy them. Then they despised the pleasant land. They did not believe his word, but complained in their tents and did not heed the voice of the Lord. Therefore he raised his hand in an oath against them to overthrow them in the wilderness, to overthrow their descendants among the nations, and to scatter them in the lands. They joined themselves to Baal of Peor and ate sacrifices made to the dead. Thus they provoked him to anger with their deeds, and the plague broke out among them. Then Phinehas stood up and intervened, and the plague was stopped. And that was accounted to him for righteousness to all generations forevermore. They angered him also at the waters of strife, so that it went ill with Moses on account of them, because they rebelled against his spirit, so that he spoke rashly with his lips. They did not destroy the peoples concerning whom the Lord commanded them, but they mingled with the Gentiles and learned their works. They served their idols, which became a snare to them. They even sacrificed their sons and their daughters to demons and shed innocent blood. The blood of their sons and daughters whom they sacrificed to the idols of Canaan and the land was polluted with blood. Thus they were defiled by their own works and played the harlot by their own deeds. Therefore the wrath of the Lord was kindled against his people, so that he abhorred his own inheritance, and he gave them into the hand of the Gentiles, and those who hated them ruled over them. Their enemies also oppressed them, and they were brought into subjection under their hand. Many times he delivered them, but they rebelled in their counsel 
and were brought low for their iniquity. Nevertheless, he regarded their affliction when he heard their cry, and for their sake he remembered his covenant and relented according to the multitude of his mercies. He also made them to be pitied by all those who carried them away captive. Save us, O Lord our God, and gather us from among the Gentiles to give thanks to your holy name to triumph in your praise. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel from everlasting to everlasting. And let all the people say, Amen. Praise the Lord. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. Let us pray. Gracious God, we come to your throne. We come because we know who you are. You are the one and only true and living God. There is no other like you. We have read your word and we know the only help we can ever get will come from you. You tell us that you will give us words and wisdom that none of our adversaries will be able to resist or contradict. Open our ears to hear and our hearts to understand. Let us stand firm and not be moved from this wisdom. Use your spirit and build us in us a deeper and deeper understanding of this glorious gospel you have provided us through your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. This psalm begins with the words, praise the Lord. It ends with the words, praise the Lord. Between these two declarations of praise, we find mournful details of Israel's sin and the wonderful, glorious, extraordinary patience of our Lord. It is a good thing, a good thing that we bless the Lord both at the beginning and the end of our thoughts when sin and grace are the themes. We are looking in this psalm at the history of Israel. This psalm would cause those who forget the history of Israel to receive a sufficient rebuke. The history of Israel is filled with much to help us in our lives today. These words are here. They're here at the direction of the Holy Spirit. They're to teach us. They're to give us hope. What we find in these words of history is that they are to show man's sin, even as Psalm 105 was composed to magnify God's goodness. This psalm is Israel's confession. It includes an acknowledgement of the transgressions of Israel in Egypt, in the wilderness, and in Canaan. It also has petitions for forgiveness, which made this psalm a suitable worship psalm for all generations, especially in times of struggle. So, as we are in a time of national struggle, let us see ourselves in the picture of the Lord's ancient people, thus bemoaning our own provocations of the Most High, while at the same time admitting His infinite patience and ignoring Him because of it. May the Holy Spirit sanctify this psalm to the promotion of humility and gratitude. As we begin our examination of this psalm, we hear first of a sound heart. Second, we see the natural blindness. Third, we observe the negative behavior. Fourth, we come face to face with blasphemy. And last, we find a sure hope. This psalm begins with words from a sound heart. Verse 1, praise the Lord, 
Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. What greater words could be used to open a statement of national confession? This psalm was written for the assembled people of God. They are challenged, challenged to come together in praise of their God. It is the practice of men to dwell on human sin. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. Here we are called to praise the Lord, to lay open ourselves before him, and to give him the praise he is due. As for sinful men who are extremely needy, it's the goodness of God that first excites praise in our hearts. That praise will always take the form of thanks. You will always praise the Lord when you have given thanks for what you have received from his goodness. We must never be slow to return praise to our Lord. To thank him is the least we can do, so let us not forget it. The psalmist says, for his mercy endures forever. The goodness of God is found in his mercy. His mercy that endures forever. The psalmist says, our God is good and his mercy endures forever. Now, we will see how from generation to generation, the mercy of God endured to his chosen people. Verse 2, who can utter the mighty acts of the Lord? Who can declare all his praise? Who is sufficient? Who is sufficient for such a work, a work that demands the tongues and harps of angels? When you come glorifying the Lord, you must exalt him as much as you can. You will yet you will never, never be able to exalt him as much as he deserves. Verse 3. Blessed are those who keep justice and he who does righteousness at all times. Next to the angels, those who are blessed are those who are qualified. Those qualified to praise God because they live their lives with justice. They are those who have experienced in themselves the mighty acts of mercy. The pardoning of guilt. The breaking of the power of sin in their their lives. Through these mighty acts, they have become the servants of Jesus Christ and they have rendered to their Savior at all times. At times of adversity, no less than in times of prosperity, in due tribute of genuine love and obedience. That's what we're to do. We're to bring that love and obedience before our God. Here in this psalm is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Since Abraham was introduced and the covenant made with him, the gospel has been before the hearts of men. Have you heard its call to you? Have you heard Jesus Christ? He is calling now for you to believe and trust in him. He came to do for you what you could never do for yourself. He lived that perfect life. He died the atoning death. He won the resurrection victory. You need Jesus Christ because without him, you can have none of the benefits of these things. You can't live a perfect life. You can't offer an atoning sacrifice. You can't win a victory over death. Only Christ can. Jesus came to do for men what they could never do for themselves. Open your ears. Open your hearts 
Listen, for Jesus is the only one who can save your soul. Verses 4 and 5. Remember me, O Lord, with the favor you have toward your people. O visit me with your salvation, that I may see the benefit of your chosen ones, that I may rejoice in the gladness of your nation, that I may glory with your inheritance. The psalmist is offering a prayer here. It's for himself and the church of Israel that he and God's people might partake of such blessedness. These words carry a reference to a temporal restoration and gladness. But you must understand, they extend much further and thus form the most spiritual and heavenly petition that the sincerest Christian can lay before the throne of grace. He calls for the Lord to remember him and his people with the favor which he has always shown to his chosen people. Those in whom he has delighted from the foundation of the world and on whom it is his good pleasure to confer a glorious kingdom. The psalmist wants God to give to him salvation. He wants the same salvation that so many of the patriarchs, prophets, and kings have desired to know. He wants the salvation that will come only through Jesus Christ. He wants the justifier of all who believe and is the rewarder of his saints. He wants to see the goodness of the chosen. To see the blessedness that comes from beholding the countenance of God and for the promise of living forever in his presence. He desires to rejoice in the gladness of God's kingdom to be filled with the unspeakable gladness of all who enter into the joy of the Lord. He seeks to glory in the inheritance of his Lord. Do you seek to glory in the inheritance of your Lord? That's what we need to be doing. We need to desire that love that God brings through Jesus Christ, the joy that he gives us, because we know our sins have been forgiven and our guilt has been removed problem Israel had in coming out of Egypt was their natural blindness to the works of God. Verse 6, we have sinned with our fathers, we have committed iniquity, we have done wickedly. He opened this psalm with a sound heart expressing his need of God's salvation. Those who stand with this psalmist in his loving eagerness for such divine favor will here learn how to attain it. Do you know how to attain it? Have you been told how to attain it? Let me tell you, believe and trust in Christ and in Christ alone. The only way to do all of this is through confession. You must come before the throne of God. You must confess your sins. Here he confesses not only his sins, but the sins of his fathers as well as their spiritual blindness. Look at verse 7. Our fathers in Egypt did not understand your wonders. They did not remember the multitudes of your mercies, but rebelled by the sea, the Red Sea. The problem we see here in Egypt is that Israelites just didn't learn. They should have learned. When they saw all the miracles God performed before Pharaoh, they did not increase in the wisdom and knowledge of God as their Savior. When they saw Pharaoh pursuing them, their faith failed. 
They murmured against Moses and wanted to return to the bondage of Egypt, showing their total blindness. Thus we learn, when the penitent finds himself overwhelmed with difficulties and dangers, when he sees before him the death sin brings, he sees he must pass through the death of sin, pass through that death to a life of righteousness with the devil and the world hard in pursuit to bring him back into the harder and worse bondage than before. He is tested in his memory. Will he give up and forget Christ? Will he forget all he did for him? You must understand, fear puts out the light of faith. It causes spiritual blindness. It hides the prospect of the promised land. It it causes the imagination to remember the old place is just absolutely wonderful. It tempts you to regret the decision you made of leaving the old place and make the desire to return greater. This is exactly what happened with the Israelites. They saw Pharaoh, they saw his army, and they became fearful. They wanted to go back to Egypt. They were willing to give up their freedom for security. The very freedom that brought them spiritual light and life. Well, we're facing that same thing today. They're wanting to take your freedoms away and offer you some kind of security for it. My friends, please understand, security is worthless without faith, without life, without freedom. What is it? It's nothing. Look at verses 8 through 12. Nevertheless, he saved them for his name's sake, that he might make his mighty power known. He rebuked the Red Sea also, and it dried up. So he led them through the depths as through the wilderness. He saved them from the hand of him who hated them and redeemed them from the hand of the enemy. The waters covered their enemies. There was not one of them left. Then they believed his words. They sang his praise. Comforted, encouraged by Moses, the people of Israel came to the shore of the sea. Behold, the waves, as Moses lifted up his powerful rod and began to part the sea, and the waves began to pile up on either side as the children of Israel began making their way through the seabed. But God had not only parted the sea, but he had dried the path they were to follow. The people were led through the sea in security, protected on both sides by great walls of water. When they came to the other side, they turned to watch the Egyptian army follow them into the seabed. As the last of the Israelites cleared the sea bounds, the waters returned to their natural place, killing all of the Egyptians, not leaving one of them. What we can take away from this is striking. Through all the dangers and hard times that bar the path of the Christian's course, faith will ever find a way open. Do not try to outthink God. Don't try to prepare your own escape. Listen to Him and follow His word. Your escape will come by the power of Jesus Christ. You will be guided from sin to righteousness and from death to life through Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. 
the enemies of your salvation, no matter how formidable they may seem, shall be diverted. They can't hurt you. They shall disappear and be no more. And you shall lift your voice in praise as a song of tribute to the Lord your God. Place your hope. Please, place your hope and your trust in Jesus Christ. For he alone can make your path true. There is no other way. Look to him and let him wash away your blindness. Let him baptize you in his spirit. We see what happens to those who do not have the Holy Spirit in their hearts. No matter how hard they try, they cannot escape their negative behavior. Look at verses 13 through 15. They soon forgot his works. They did not wait for his counsel, but lusted exceedingly in the wilderness and tested God in the desert. And he gave them their request, but sent leanness into their soul. Very soon. Very soon after the Israelites had experienced the goodness and the power of God at the sea, we find them again murmuring against Moses. In Exodus 15, they came to the spring of Marah, but the waters were bitter. They couldn't drink them. Instead of turning to God, they complained against Moses. We see their negative behavior. God intervened. He told Moses what to do. Cut a branch off this certain tree and throw it in the waters and they'll become sweet. And they did. God had an answer. But they wouldn't wait on it. The children of Israel grew impatient in the wilderness. They looked upon themselves as forgotten. They believed God had given them over to destruction. Again, in their negative behavior, they loathed the manna. They wanted flesh. So God sent them flesh. And they filled themselves with it. Then God's wrath came upon them, and many were killed by a grievous plague. This brings us to a very important truth. We learn how to fight our negative behavior when we learn to wait on God. To listen to his counsel. As we listen to, he will give us the things we need. Remember what he has already done for us. He sent his only begotten son to do for us what we could never do for ourselves. Will he not also give us those things, those less important things that can make us stronger? Let us be extremely thankful for all that he gives us no matter how insignificant those things may seem to be. We owe him thanks for them. Let us always be careful about how we request the good things of this world and be strictly temperate in our use use of them when they are given. Don't let the world get hold of you. You control what comes into your life from it, not letting it control you. Verses 16 through 18. When they envied Moses in the camp and Aaron the saint of the Lord, the earth opened up and swallowed Dathan and covered the faction of Abiram. A fire was kindled in their company. The flame burned up the wicked. What you need to get here is that Moses and Aaron were the divinely appointed governors of Israel, both church and state. 
there were those in Israel who were jealous of Moses and Aaron. They were sure they could do a better job than running things. They didn't give God any credit of what Moses and Aaron were doing. Envy and ambition ambition got the best of some of these men, and they tried to take over. Three men in number 16, Korah, Dathan, Abiram, stood up and accused Moses and Aaron of tyranny. So Moses appeals to God for help. A day is set and a decision is made. One group of these malcontents fell alive into a pit God opened under their tents, and they and their families were buried alive. Another group was consumed by fire that came down from heaven. Here's where we need to pay attention. God will not be merciful forever with those who fight against him. The lesson in this is very clear and applies to all generations. Let dissidents and rebels beware of the pit, which is bottomless, and of the fire, which shall never be quenched. Verses 19 through 22. They made a calf in Horeb and worshipped the molten image. Thus they changed their glory into the image of an ox that eats grass. They forgot God their Savior who had done great things in Egypt, wondrous works in the land of Ham, awesome things by the Red Sea. These people that came out of Egypt were lost. They could not stand fast on what they had heard or even seen. They did not have hearts of flesh, but hearts of stone. While the terrible presence of God abode upon Mount Sinai, right out there in front of them, they could see it. The mountain ablaze on the top because God was there. Moses was up there on that same mountain. He was receiving the law when they sinned. There at Horeb, the people apostatized to the sin of idolatry. They persuaded Aaron to make them a calf before which they could prostrate themselves. They acknowledged the calf and the power it held to meet their needs. They praised it as the one who delivered them from Egypt. Moses had gone up on the mountain and they considered him lost. Thus they exchanged their glory, the glory which had accompanied them in the mystic cloud. They changed that glory for the glory of a four-footed beast. Can't you imagine that? They forgot Jehovah who had done so many miracles before their very eyes and delivering them from the tyranny of Egypt. Do we live in a day where the miracles of our redemption are being forgotten? Is this the day in which the return of Jesus Christ from heaven is being despaired of? Is this a time when the people solicit their teachers to fabricate a new philosophical deity for them to worship? Instead of the God of the Bible, the Creator, the Redeemer, the God of all ages, there's no better example of what happens when men turn away from the one and only true and living God. Don't turn away. Don't turn away from your Lord and Savior. What you must do is commit yourself to Him. Commit your whole life to Him and to Him alone. And stand fast in that commitment. 
Verse 23. Therefore he said that he would destroy them had not Moses, his chosen one, stood before him in the breach to turn away his wrath, lest he destroy them. What a beautiful verse we have here. When we hear in Exodus 32.10, God saying on account of his people's unbelievable ingratitude and, and atrocious evil, let me alone that my wrath may wax hot against them and that I may consume them and I will make of you a great nation. Here's the beauty of this passage. Moses stands before the Creator and intercedes for the people who have sinned. He stands before an offended God. Look at what Moses could do. He could have said, forget the Israelites now. I'm going to be the great one. He's going to make a nation out of me. Moses didn't do that. He urges God to remember the glory of his name. He calls him to remember his covenant with the people. Moses is so sure of his desire to speak. He tells the Lord, if you are going to cast off your people, take my life also. What a beautiful passage. What a great picture of what was to come when God's own son would come and give his life for such sinners. Verses 24 through 27. Then they despised the pleasant land. They did not believe his word, but complained in their tents. And he did not heed the voice of the Lord. Therefore, he raised his hand in an oath against them. He overthrew them in the wilderness to overthrow their descendants among the nations and to scatter them in the lands. The history spoken about here is found in Numbers chapters 13 through 14. The spies sent into the land, promised land, came back with a good report of the land, beautiful land, a lot of good fruit and everything there. But they fill the people's heart with apprehension about their ability to take the land. Their infidelity came out in their hearts. Infidelity always produces disobedience. They would not believe they could overcome the people of that land. They thought they and their families would all be killed. They returned and called for a return to Egypt. Jehovah was tired of hearing that. So he condemned those that cried out for such and promised none of them would ever enter his rest. He only made exception for Joshua and Caleb because they believed. The rest would all fall in the wilderness. They would never set foot in the promised land and partake of its pleasures. Help us, Father. Help us not to despise that pleasant land which you designed to be the inheritance of your saints. Grant unto us a heart that will ever keep the glory of your Son ever before us. Help each one here remember what Jesus Christ did to open the gates of heaven to us. Let us not forget the miracles performed in our hearts as we cross from darkness to light. Verses 28 through 31. They joined themselves to Baal of Peor and ate sacrifices made to the dead. Thus they provoked him to anger with their deeds, and the plague broke out among them. Then Phinehas stood up and intervened, and the plague was stopped. And that was accounted to him for righteousness to all generations forevermore. In Numbers 22 through 24, and then in, verse, in, in, in chapter 31, the false prophet Balaam 
was called by the king of Moab to come curse the children of Israel. God would not allow him to do that. So you know what Balaam did? Balaam told the Moabite leaders, well, what you need to do is take your young women and send them to the Israeli camp and seduce the men to turn them from following God to serving the Moabite gods. The abomination of the Moabites was an idol in whose worship women gave up their bodies to the most shameless lust. Think of the people of a holy God coming down to this. The Israelites were joining in this detestable worship. They joined in the ceremonies of a dead God and took part in sacrifice to the dead to punish this apostasy. The wrath of God went forth and 24,000 perished by the plague. This plague was ended when Phinehas stepped forward and executed judgment upon two people who came into the camp and went into a tent before the leaders of Israel as they were praying and calling on God to end end the plague. Phinehas, a young priest of the line of Aaron, killed them both, and God rewarded him for doing it. What we learn from this sacred history is how acceptable to God is a well-timed zeal for him, for service to him. It also shows how dangerous it is to converse too freely with those of the other sex that have been educated in a false religion or in no religion at all. Verses 32 through 33. They angered him also at the waters of strife so that it went ill with Moses on account of them because they rebelled against his spirit so that he spoke rashly with his lips. Here we learn of the anguish of Moses over the people's grumbling. The spirit of Moses, even though he was the meekest of men, was so exasperated and embittered by the people's continual murmuring and rebelling, it caused him to strike the rock God told him to speak to. He struck the rock and water came forth, but he was charged, charged by God for not believing what God said to sanctify him before the people. On account of his unbelief, he was denied the honor of leading the people into the promised land. Moses was a great prophet, but he was a man like us. What we learn here is there is only one, only one, who can keep God's law perfectly, and that is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That means your only hope of salvation and a place in heaven is through him. Open your heart. Place your hope and trust in Christ and in him alone. Verses 34 through 36. They did not destroy the peoples concerning whom the Lord commanded them, but they mingled with the Gentiles and learned their works. They served their idols, which became a snare to them. When the sin of the Canaanites was full, it pleased God to sweep them away, and Israel was commissioned to do that. They were to execute God's vengeance on the people of Canaan. But the Israelites were weak, They saw the idols of the Canaanites. They were seduced into their blasphemy. By them they fell into all of their abominations, serving the Canaanite gods instead of the true and living God that had delivered them from Egypt. The lesson in this is very appropriate for today. We have allowed the most abominable sins of the flesh, blasphemies against God, to take hold in our nation. We see so many give in to it. 
There are many others who stand back and offer no resistance at all. We must understand to allow sin and offer no resistance is a terrible sin against God and it will bring His wrath down on us just as it did on Israel. Verses 37 through 38. They even sacrificed their sons and their daughters to demons and shed innocent blood, the blood of their sons and daughters, whom they sacrificed to the idols of Canaan and the land was polluted with blood. The demons mentioned in these verses are the idols of Canaan. To offer something to a false god is to offer it to the devil or to demons. We should be astonished at this horrible and barbarous offering of children by fire to a false god. But can we can we claim to be better than these Canaanites? How many of the most innocent among us have been have, have we've seen offered before the gods of convenience and pleasure through abortion. What about all the children that have been raised in the ways of ignorance, error, vanity, folly, and vice, which are all sacrificed to the great adversary of mankind, the devil? Because we, we as a church, failed in carrying the truth to those who are lost and dying. We must be careful careful to fight off the gods of this world and hold to the true and living God. O Lord, send us a revival. Give us courage to stand in the face of persecution and death, to tell others of the truth of our Lord Jesus Christ, that children's hearts might be changed and souls saved. Verses 39 through 46. Thus we are defiled by their own works and played the harlot by their own deeds. Therefore the wrath of the Lord was kindled against his people so that he abhorred his own inheritance and he gave them into the hand of the Gentiles and those who hated them ruled over them. Their enemies also oppressed them and they were brought into subjection under their hand. Many times he delivered them, but they rebelled in their counsel and were brought low for their iniquity. Nevertheless, he regarded their affliction when he heard their cry And for their sake, he remembered his covenant and relented according to the multitude of his mercies. He also made them to be pitied by all those who carried them away captive. Here, here here's the history of Israel from the time when they took possession of Canaan to this very day. They transgressed God's word and were met with punishments. Those chastisements produced repentance and repentance brought mercy. Their last rebellion against came against the Son of God, the one sent to their king. They rejected him. They killed him. The punishment that fell on them was great. They were scattered throughout the nations of the world, and they were hated and persecuted. A new people of God was raised up known as Christians. The mercy of God was only for those Jew or Gentile who acknowledged their sin and saw that Jesus was the one and only Savior. Our lesson from the Jewish people is that only faith, only faith and trust in the one God sent can save. Don't do as the Israelites did and fail to see what God has done for you in Christ Jesus. Verse 47. Save us, O Lord our God, and gather us from among the Gentiles to give thanks to your holy name, to triumph in your praise. It appears here 
This psalm was written at a time when Israel was under duress from their enemies. Such will be the petition of the Jews hereafter to him whom they crucified. Is this not our petition today? Is it not that the elect may be finally gathered together and united in one congregation to give thanks unto the name and triumph forever in the praises of Jesus Christ our Lord? Verse 48. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel from everlasting to everlasting and let all the people say amen. Praise the Lord. At all times, in all places, and by all persons on earth and in heaven, in prosperity and adversity, peace and persecution, we must recognize the Lord Jesus Christ. We must see him as the Savior and Redeemer of his church. He, he is to be blessed. There's no situation that can exempt any believer from declaring, Amen, Hallelujah, praise the Lord. Absolutely nothing can stop the true believer from blessing God himself and exciting others to do the same. In conclusion, please remember that all of your hope and trust is settled in Jesus Christ and in him alone. Here in this psalm, we saw the troubles of Israel and the grace and mercy of God. Confession is the greatest tool you're given. It keeps the mercy of God ever before you. You can't be perfect in this lifetime, but you can always be right with God through confession and repentance. For his mercy endures forever. Let us pray. Gracious Father, we know you're the one the whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. We ask you to pour out the riches of your glory on us. Strengthen us with your power through your spirit. Let Christ dwell in our hearts through faith. Establish us in your love so we can go into this world and show others your love, grace, and mercy through our lives. We give to him who saved us all glory. We ask you to help us as a church to minister to others and help them to see that salvation can be found only in this one you sent, your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.